Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. This is a pre-recorded program presented by KSL News Radio and Intermountain Healthcare. Healthy Mind Matters, brought to you by Intermountain Healthcare. We discuss the important community issues of stronger mental health, emotional wellness, and the growing problem of addiction. Here's our host, Maria Chaleos, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Good morning, and thank you for joining us for Healthy Mind Matters. Today we are talking about domestic violence in our community and a campaign aimed at preventing domestic violence called Stop the Violence in Utah. With me this morning, Gladie Larson, the Director of Development for Safe Harbor, and Lisa Nichols, who is the Assistant Vice President of Community Health for Intermountain Healthcare. And welcome to both of you. Thank you so much for coming in to talk about this very important issue. Thank you. So, Gladie, I'm going to start with you. Um, We've heard in the news that people are really struggling with domestic violence right now. So tell us what you are seeing. What are people experiencing in this pandemic? Um, Yes, Maria. Um, Early in the global health crisis, the United Nations warned uh, that domestic violence was um, basically a shadow pandemic uh, of the COVID-19. And if you consider that uh, we're adding um, stress factors, isolation, and financial strain um, that can create circumstances where the survivor's safety is um, compromise. Um, this pandemic has the elements of all three. Um, so initially in March, we saw, interestingly enough, a decrease in the calls. However, once the um, once that um, once that um, stay-at-home orders were lifted, we did see a huge increase. Um, the national average was about sixteen percent. However, um, in the state of Utah, we saw a 34% increase in the amount of calls that we our hotlines um, had during the month of April, May, and June. Boy, that is overwhelming. How in the world do you handle that challenge that you've, you're facing now? So we have um, additional resources right now. Our our largest um, challenge is the amount of um, advocates that we need to be able to help all of the people that and help the survivors of domestic violence. Um, the agencies have come together to help each other because we do have an increase on those cases. And we have professionals that are um, assisting all of these clients but I think the, lo- the, the worst challenge that we have right now is the fact that it's not just the uh, amount of numbers, but is how dangerous each call is. So you are seeing um, the level of violence increase. Uh, how do I want to put that? Uh, more physicality than you would have seen in the past. Absolutely. Um, there is a protocol called a lethality assessment protocol, and law enforcement and first responders use that protocol to determine um, 
how dangerous the call to domestic violence may be. And unfortunately, um, those calls have increased. Um, and uh, the higher that number is, the more uh, dangerous that call may be and that person may be um, in danger of losing life. And that's unfortunately what we have seen. Um, and we have put our resources together. We are all working 24 seven to be able to answer those calls. The hardest part right now is we need more help. Right, so Lisa, maybe you can describe for us, Intermountain Healthcare has joined in this Stop the Violence campaign, a statewide campaign. Tell us what you're trying to do. Yes, thanks Maria. Um, you know, do- domestic violence is a preventable health concern. It is a crisis worldwide, um, but we often see um, the effects of this in our facilities. Uh, you know, people come in, of course, with physical injuries. Uh, they also come up, come in with much higher rates of, of depression and substance use disorders. And, and those effects are really long-term. Uh, individuals who are survivors of domestic violence often have uh, you know, many years of health concerns. We know that children who witness uh, violence in their households, actually even into adulthood, uh, face uh, more serious health concerns and more chronic illnesses. So not only do we wanna be better prepared um, to serve someone who might come to our facilities who's been a victim, um, but also to manage those long-term health concerns and and even ultimately to be part of the prevention because this is a preventable concern. So Gladie, what would you say is the main challenge, the thing that you would really like to be able to do the most about at this point in time? I think the main challenge is to bring awareness that this is happening um, everywhere. One in three women and one in seven men are um, affected by domestic violence. And um, right now, uh, basically, it could be anyone. It could be your neighbor. It could be your friend. Um, Let's um, bring this awareness to the community. Let's um, make sure that the community is involved and knows what to do next. I think that's the biggest question that a lot of community members ask us is, what can I do if I'm, I'm also staying home and I hear a neighbor um, having an argument? Where do I stand? Uh, what is a, the safest action for me to take? And we're saying, you know what? We need to act. We need to possibly, I, I know that we're trying to be kind and we're trying to be respectful of people's uh, personal um, struggles, but it's really important that we do take action. We need to um, end the violence right now. And the easiest way is possibly just calling uh, law enforcement and saying there is something, it might be nothing. Um, They might actually just um, be upset. I know that there's additional stress, there's financial strain, but um, it, it would be easier for us to just do that and say, mm, it was no big deal than not to act. I think this is a really tough one because I don't think people know when they should step in. So both of you, I mean, what kind of advice do you give folks? How do they know when, when they should step in? There are prevention uh, pages that we can use uh, if you go to the stoptheviolenceutah.org. There are some uh, small elements that uh, the community can take into consideration. And you're right, Maria, it is very difficult for us to determine when should we step in and when is um, something that is just a private matters. 
Um, so I believe that if you do hear um, a quarrel of your neighbors or you do think that something has escalated, that's when you need to act. And sometimes it's just as simple as saying, hey, how's it going? Uh, just so that you break that tension and they realize that maybe they have escalated that uh, to a point where other people are aware that they're having that, um, you know, they're having that argument. So sometimes it's just that simple. It's just making sure that it doesn't continue to escalate. Right. Maria, I'll, I'll add that as a healthcare system, um, I think we can really help create comfort by having this be part of just universal screening. Uh, you know, we ask people uh, about their medication history and we take their blood pressure. And so to make it part of the normal routine, uh, you know, not something that is stigmatized, but something that is talked about and that you can trust your healthcare provider to help you make the right connections in the community. We're not there yet as a healthcare system, uh, you know, across the nation, but that's really the direction I think we need to go. One of the really bad things about the pandemic is people aren't seeing each other. So there isn't that visual element. Um, how do family members know if maybe someone is struggling? What are some of the signs that people should look for that aren't auditory, right? Thank you for bringing that up. I think it's very um, evident that right now isolation is one of the techniques that is being used by a lot of um, the people that are perpetrating um, violence. And I think uh, most of us uh, can look at different factors, such as have you not heard from the person that you know uh, would contact you on a normal basis? Are they avoiding um, getting together? Uh, and I understand that the pandemic is one of the reasons why a lot of people are not coming together. But is there an additional reason? Is there something that uh, have you noticed that they're not answering your calls? Have you noticed that they are very, um, their calls might be shorter and um, more abrupt of an ending? Have you noticed that the person possibly has their, uh, and I know that we're in close quarters, but that every time you contact your friend or your family member, the other person's right there, that they um, are not acting quote unquote normal. And I know right now it's very difficult to determine, but, but just take advantage of that um, relationship that you may have to identify possible factors um, of, um, of something different. Sometimes it may be as easily as um, the person's not answering any of your calls or the pe person, um, when they do answer, when they do come to you, please um, make sure that you listen and that you believe and that you let them know that they are not alone. It is extremely important that we don't dismiss a possible cry for help. Um, don't just say, oh, they're probably just stressed. You know, sometimes it's important. They are possibly using their two seconds to give you that information that is their only opportunity to say, I am in trouble. I need your help. So please take advantage of any contact that you may have with your friends or neighbors or family members to be a little bit more aware of what they're attempting to say to you. 
We need to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about more about what a conversation would look like with a family member if you were concerned. You're listening to Healthy Mind Matters on KSL News Radio. Today we are talking about domestic violence. I'd like to give the state link line, which is 1-800-897-LINK. And also, if you would like to find out more about the Stop the Violence campaign, you can find that at StopTheViolenceUtah.org. We'll be right back. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.